Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC-FM and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Kathleen Burns, Executive Director of the Connecticut Marine Trades Association. Good morning to you. Good morning. Glad to be here. Well, boating season in Connecticut is in full swing. How's it going so far? Oh my gosh, we've had the best July start we've had in years. A little bit slow this year, based upon the weather, of course, through the spring, but we could not be happier with the start of boating season right now. Certainly the weather has cooperated with a lot of heat, makes people want to get out on the water. What are the other factors that have contributed to a good season? Well, I have to say our big one is certainly the reduction in the sales tax on boats, motors, and trailers, which is finally bringing Connecticut back into a competitive stead with our neighboring states. And this has just brought about a huge boon for our boat dealers across the state. What changed on July 1? On July 1, the tax rate for boats, motors, and trailers was reduced from 6.35% to 2.99%. And that little over 53% decrease has certainly spurned boat owners and boat those desiring to own boats to choose Connecticut as their destination. The aim of this was to make Connecticut competitive again with neighboring states. How do we stack up now? Well, that's such a great question because we've been at such a Connecticut, such a competitive disadvantage for so long. Our neighbors to the east have a 0% tax on boats and our neighbors to the west have sales tax caps in New York and New Jersey. And the reality was Connecticut was least competitive on the east coast, having the highest sales tax rate without a cap from Maine to Florida. What the new tax rate does for us is it reduces that rate so we are now less than New York and New Jersey. Uh, And while we are still a little higher than Rhode Island, the 2.99 on our motors and trailers makes us even more competitive than our state to the east. And that's really attractive for our service providers, our repower guys and gals, uh, and our trailer dealers. So we are just so happy to see people choosing Connecticut again. This is a sales tax reduction that applies to everything from canoes to yachts? That is correct. Across the board with without restriction. So it is, it is just making um, people choose to, to not only purchase their boat here in Connecticut, but allows them to keep it here. So because it also affects the use tax for those that may choose Connecticut over another state to register their boat here. What are you hearing from dealers so far? What difference has this made? Well, when they have time to talk to me, <laughs> which in the last week or so they have not, um, they have seen a significant increase in business. And a couple of anecdotal stories, if you will. We had uh, 
uh, one dealer report that a couple they had spoke to last winter had thought had pretty much gone cold, had not come back to to them. They didn't know what happened to them. And suddenly last Saturday walked into the dealership and put a deposit down on a, a fairly good sized boat that will remain in a slip here in Connecticut, clear out of the blue because they realized that they didn't want to go to another state to save the sales tax, but now it was more affordable for them and they could stay here. And we're hearing that statewide. To get a sales tax reduction on a certain product in this budgetary environment is a heavy lift at the state capitol. How did you achieve that? Another great question. It was a three-year process for us and it was mostly education. I think that uh, legislators as well as the general public look at the boating industry perhaps as a recreation for the wealthy or as we like to call it the Thurston Howell effect. When in reality, the boating industry, which is one of the oldest industries in the state of Connecticut, was suffering. It's an industry that never uh, came back in any kind of force from recession. Um, Our sale, our um, uh, numbers of employees in the industry was cut nearly in half after recession and our growth back has been anemic. So this wasn't about making it affordable for others. It was about saving an industry. And when we illustrated that the industry had lost over 16,000 registered boats uh, over the last six years, and when we really illustrated that this was about jobs and keeping a sector of our population employed through a series of small businesses throughout the state, that message began to resonate. And our legislators realized that this was costing the state of Connecticut. It was costing jobs and it was costing lost revenue, not only revenue to our industry, but also sales tax revenue to the state. And so uh, once this was really communicated and educated, um, I think that's what really turned the tide for us. What is the economic impact of the boating industry on the state's economy? Overall, we're a $1.3 billion industry, direct, indirect. Um, There are 532 marine jobs. Uh, We employ about 7,000 people statewide. Um, And that number has, where other states in the last six years had increased, ours had started to decrease. So we certainly look at a boom for next year that we will exceed that number and really adding to the state's gross domestic output here. In fact, you are undertaking an educational effort to fill some of those jobs you currently can't. That is correct. Not only do we lose boaters, but in many ways we lost jobs. Um, You know, as people are busier and they have the ability to attract talent to work on bigger, better, more, uh, we found ourselves losing at that end as well. So we have uh, the Connecticut Marine Trades Association has just started an educational foundation and we will be working both with uh, state departments, uh, national funding sources to improve and increase awareness about what fabulous jobs are available year round living wages in the boating business. What types of jobs are those? Oh, we we run the gambit from managerial and administrative, financial and insurance to very skilled technical jobs for uh, engines, electronics, 
computer systems. When you look at the technology that goes into an outboard motor today, it's a very exciting computer process. So it, it's not generally the um, uh, the wrench turners of years gone by as much as it is the technical skills required in a highly computerized industry these days. And further, there's some great and expanding technologies in composites and fiberglass and paint that are attracting a, a creative side. So we're seeing that the technical team uh, is probably the greatest, uh, the, the greatest opportunity for jobs is on the technical side right now. And there's a lot of uh, on-the-job training programs that we will be launching in the coming months. In terms of the different types of vessels, what's in demand right now? Do people want yachts? Are they wanting fishing boats? Is it all of the above? For the most part, they want something easy. They want to be able to hop aboard and go. Uh, the An outboard product is probably more popular than any other type of boat at this point. Um Ease of maintenance, uh, reliability, they're so quiet. You look at a, a you know, fabulous four-stroke engine right now, and you know, they have a conversation like you and I are having right now. So that noise reduction has been so important, as well as the from an environmental, they're running a much cleaner process too. So that's probably what's in most uh, biggest demand. Um, a, a, a deck walkthrough boat that you can entertain, bring your whole family, um, and of course, what has always been the staple is a nice cabin boat that, you know, allows you to cruise wherever. So, uh, you know, it's it's good to see uh, the demand increasing. Um, I had one dealer say that he had to go to Maine and Virginia to pick up boats to deliver this week. And all of those were a cruiser style boat. So there are people looking to travel. What about Connecticut makes it such a desirable place to hit the water? Well, I think that we who live here, we sort of forget that. And it's not just the 680 some odd miles of shoreline, but but the network of inland lakes and rivers is extraordinary. Um, I know my friends up on Candlewood Lake said, you know, our greatest competitor is Lake Winnipesaukee up in New Hampshire. And, you know, it really goes to show what a destination a place like Candlewood is. Um, and those bodies of water are really allowing an expansion of the whole paddle sport industry, kayaking, adventure kayaking, stand-up paddle sports. And so the beauty of a small state like Connecticut is we have an abundance of water, of access to waterways, whether they are the beauty of Long Island Sound, our, our lounging rivers, or really the excitement of the inland lakes. And if you have a vessel that you can take out of one lake and put in another, there are some steps you have to take to make sure you aren't bringing certain things with you. Is that correct? That is correct. And that really relates to the topic of invasive species. And I know our friends down at the at DEEP and others are really monitoring this because as um, a, uh, a plant life or, or some organism attaches itself you know, it's it's say it's uh, conducive to one body of water. It needs to remain there because it may have such a negative effect on another body of water. So the invasive species process of cleaning that bottom when that boat comes out of the water, that makes sure it's rinsed, that you're not carrying something from body of water to body of water is really a very important aspect of boat ownership if you are utilizing your boat on a trailer basis. 
Is that something you just do with a brush and some soapy water? It's a very simple process. And most, especially the state-run launch ramps, have built in the areas where you clean, you wipe down. It's not something heavy. It's nothing that provides a terrible uh, effect on the environment in any which way. But what it does do is it protects the body, bodies of water from picking up a species that or some sort of organism that is going to prove detrimental to that particular body of water. It's not just interrupting an ecosystem. It's also hindering recreation. Swimmers, even boaters, because these invasive species can clog engines. No question. They can clog engines. Um, They can change the plant life. Um, They can change the um, certain levels within the water. So it affects more than boating, but it's really the whole entire ecosystem of that particular body of water. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Kathleen Burns, Executive Director of the Connecticut Marine Trades Association. Let's talk about boating safety. First of all, what sort of training do you need to be able to get behind the wheel of a boat? Like operating any piece of equipment or any vehicle, it is critically important. And as as boating enthusiasts um, and as in the business, business of boating as well, it is critically important that it is always safety first. Um, the first step, especially here in Connecticut, is to obtain your boat sa- boating safety certificate, which also has a, a rider and a special course for towing. Um, so if you're towing uh, tubers or skiers or what uh, or whatnot. There is an endorsement on the Connecticut boat boat safety certificate. There are courses all around the state. Um, DEEP provides those courses as well as a lot of private providers. Um, it's generally a one day course uh, where all aspects of boating are reviewed and. It's more of a book course. Um, it talks, you know, it teaches navigation. Um, it teaches uh, rules of the road, etc., that are very important before you take the wheel. We also strongly recommend that if you are a novice boater, that from uh, your local uh, marinas, as well as the uh, Boat US Foundation, that you take part in an onboard training course. And there are a number of captains that are offering this course that you're working with a United States licensed captain who takes you out on your boat and really runs through every aspect that, that you may run into how to dock the boat, how to anchor it, proper handling techniques, how to trim the boat in the water. Um, and for any novice, it's an absolutely fabulous way to get comfortable operating that vehicle. We don't get into a car, you know, as soon as you turn 16 and turn the, turn the switch and go, and it shouldn't be the same way for boats. So we strongly organize, we strongly encourage boating enthusiasts to follow these procedures. Talk about some of the other partners in safety that are out there. Certainly there's the, the industry, but also state police, the Coast Guard, DEEP, they all play a role. They all play a role. Um, the state police, we have our environmental conservation police out of DEEP. And, and these folks are all, they're boaters themselves, and they understand the waterways, they understand navigation. Um, the United States Coast Guard take plays a very big role. And in fact, next Wednesday, we're taking a number of marina owners to um, Sector Long Island Sound Command Center in New Haven for a tour of their 
of their communication center because they're such a critical component um, during things like search and rescue. And we want our marina owners and our boat dealers understanding how USCG works and they want the access to know who to call in certain regions. So we're building that partnership to keep everybody safe out on the sound. When you are hitting the water, what sort of safety equipment should you have on board? There, for every boat, there's going to be a plaque on that boat. It's going to tell you how, you know, what what's the overall weight that the boat can handle, the number of people. You will need personal flotation devices for every person on board, throw cushion or throw ring, horn, etc. There's a whole list that goes for for each and every boat and. When we talk about personal flotation devices or life jackets, I think people have that image in their head of that big old the orange bulky thing. Yeah. orange thing. Mm-hmm. And and today the technology of PFDs is amazing. So where they've become so much more trim and slim and there are many people wearing these all the time and we encourage one to do so because they are not bulky. They do this they perform brilliantly when needed um, and they do not inhibit movement when anybody is on the boat. Um, so at our um, um, upcoming Hartford Boat Show at Mohican Sun in January, we're going to have a whole display, a whole section on the most fabulous PFDs, a whole training course as part of our new boater welcome center. So um, we strongly encourage people to look at the new technology and it keeps it safe and it keeps the recreation fun. One thing I've seen a lot more of recently is paddleboarding and the requirements for a a personal flotation device, not quite the same as powerboating, right? Well, anytime you're on a vessel, you need to have a PFD. It it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm. Um, In the state of Connecticut, during the winter months, there is a requirement that that PFD is worn during the winter months. But I think um, part of the uh, the tricky part is people are enamored when it's warm in May and June and they don't feel they necessarily have to wear it, but the water is still cold. Mm. And we've had a couple of sad s- circumstances this spring where PFDs were not being worn during, you know, utilizing a kayak or a paddleboard and, and the outcome has been um, unfortunate. So we encourage anybody that if you are in a, a kayak uh, canoe, stand up paddleboard. I don't care if it's 95 degrees in the warm and the water 70, 70 degrees, that PFD should be worn. It does save lives. And the paddle industry is a great, great way to enter into the recreation. And we hate to see it spoiled simply because we just didn't have that PFD on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I see the potential for perhaps a little conflict when you have paddleboarders and power boaters. And I'm guessing there are responsibilities that both sides have to keep in mind. I think the if we go back to the old adage way, way back in the whole uh, yachting, shipping, tonnage rules. Um, so I, I, I don't care if you're a 123-foot um, a yacht facing down a, a cargo transport. That cargo transport has right away. So we take that down into a smaller scale, and we know that a 30-foot boat uh, does not have brakes on it to stop because of a paddleboard or crossing a navigational channel. 
so we would encourage any, and a lot of our retailers are very good at instruction. So the instruction isn't just how to use that paddleboard or how to use that canoe, but where you should be doing it. Navigational channel is not the place for something with zero draft that can be on the outer fringes and not crossing over navigational channels. On the flip side of that, anybody operating a boat has to be aware of their surroundings and who's where. And yes, it may be annoying if there's somebody that shouldn't be there, but at the same time, safety first. Uh, so, you know, we encourage anybody before they're going out there to, to know the rules of the road and know where they should be. You raise a good point about where you acquire your vessel. I'm thinking about you know, kayaks or canoes, there's a benefit to buying locally as opposed to online because that oftentimes comes with some instruction, doesn't it? Oh, that is a terrific point. And, it, and it's very true. There's a lot of great ways to buy um, anything online, as we all know. And in this industry, it's a great place to do your research. But when it comes right down to it, there's a person on the other side of that sale when you're buying locally. And this this is for every aspect. This is not just a, a paddleboard or a canoe or a boat. But even if you look at some things like electronics, for instance, you want to put a new GPS system or a new um, Bluetooth radio system on board and... You know, you, you find it maybe for a few dollars less on a, on a on a online site, but getting it installed properly, having it grounded, and then when you get there and you realize you're not exactly sure how that works, there's a person who has been trained on that piece of equipment that knows it, that's going to train you and make it far easier for you to use that in the long run than just simply kind of saving a couple of bucks because you found it online and then you got to teach yourself. So there's a lot of positive reasons to use your local marine dealer, your electronics dealer, your servicing dealer. You know, eventually you're going to need to have the oil changed or something done and it's really nice to have a relationship with your local business. In terms of equipment, I'm guessing uh, marine radio, also a must. I know everyone has cell phones these days, but sometimes you don't have coverage when you're out on the water. It's, it's interesting. Uh, twice a year, we participate in a Coast Guard-provided recap of search and rescue. And each year that we've attended these, the number of cell phone calls versus VHF calls has increased. And so the triangulation of communication has been a little bit more challenging when your cell phone is not exactly pinging to the right station, etc., so we still encourage boaters that that VHF radio is a lifeline, especially if you're in need of assistance. Um, I think the best example that came out of that training was you're out in dense fog and you've had an engine failure or something. You need some assistance. The cell phone isn't going to notify the boater that could be 200 yards away that can come and assist you. But that VHF radio, if you give your lat lawn, can identify boaters in the area that are more than happy to come to your assistance. So it's a really vital piece of equipment for all boaters. Talk about weather and how variable it can be, especially in Connecticut. Things can change on a dime and you have to be aware of that. Oh, they certainly can. I think on the negative side this spring, we had seven weekends in a row of rain. So it made boat preparation challenging. Um, but in the summer months, especially, um, you know, that you you have to watch that sky. Uh, going back to our discussion on VHF radio, there's a great marine channel, uh, weather channel on every 
marine radio. And while the Weather Channel and everything on your phone may tell you one thing, those marine forecasts, those marine weather forecasts are critical in safe boating. Um, so those are always great to keep aboard. I've been on the marina side for many, many, many years. And I know as as a marina manager, you would sit there and you would tell people, I know you really want to get to Block Island or I know you really want to get up to Mystic, but I'm going to I'm going to suggest that you wait, just wait, give it a couple of hours, smoother sailing ahead. Um, and, and I think that's experience. You know, people need to understand what small craft warnings are. What does that really mean? That really means that it's a dangerous situation to go out in small craft. Um, we utilize that, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what that means, but it, it means that it's very windy and very choppy and your experience out there is not going to be enjoyable. And if you run into trouble, you are also putting the people who have to come rescue you in danger potentially as well. That's really critical. Um, the people understand, you know, that um, some of our commercial operators like a CETO or Towboat US, I mean, they're going to be fighting or the Coast Guard or any of our NCON police, et cetera, who are responding to a situation there, they're going to be in and subject to those same conditions, which is uh, can be challenging. She is Kathleen Burns, Executive Director of the Connecticut Marine Trades Association. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.